I finally started getting more yeses, you know, and it felt right. It was like, I wasn't fighting this resistance of like, you're not good enough. And it was like, I knew I had it in me and it was just like, and it was, you know, it was just following that. Right. And it was scary to leave Disney because they, they take such good care of you. And it was like this dream of mine to always work with them. And it was just a scary leap of faith that I took and it ended up being amazing. Hi, welcome to the Melrose Show. Melrose here. If you've listened to this intro before, you can click the forward button now eight times to get to the start of this episode. So, before this version of myself, I was Anne artist, fashion designer, professional model, TV personality, small business owner, real estate agent, placement agent, and an institutional financial advisor, all before stepping into my current role, which I love in investor relations and podcasting professional. Woo! It was a wild ride to get here. And after all those jobs, living in six countries, 16 different cities, and trying on many versions of myself, I have found that the best place to live is comfortably in my purpose and in a space and a community that allows me and wants to see me grow. And I want the same for you through my highly versatile career path and working with others on their dreams along the way. I decided to start this podcast to try to help people understand that life is not a race. It's a marathon. Career is not a ladder. It's a jungle gym. And that I really believe truly the best way in life is following curiosity. My curiosity has me focused on career, plants, shadow light and integration work, art, permaculture, and community building. These are my purposes in life. And for me, they all go together. They're topics that we will explore together throughout time on this podcast. And I come here to connect you to unique ideas from incredible people. The aim is to help us all grow more into our purpose-driven lives. This podcast supports a community of amazing humans that meet on full moons to howl and heal. We are a global community. Many are interviewed on this podcast. And I invite you to join us offline after the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exploration journey with people from around the world who have self-actualized in their lives in some way. Hopefully, they will inspire you in your own authentic journey. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Today, we are joined by Ashley Clark. She is a four-time U.S. gold medalist for ice skating and the 2016 U.S. Open Pro Champion. She has performed professionally for over 20 years with Disney on Ice, Broadway on Ice, Holiday on Ice, and other well-known shows. In addition to being a figure skating and ice hockey teacher, her deepest passion lies in being a choreographer. She has choreographed for shows worldwide as well as individually for Olympians and national champions. She is also a holistic health coach and yoga teacher. She's based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and we basically have an ice princess goddess on our show today, so we are so lucky. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much, Melrose. It's my honor. My sea star. Oh, <laughs> I adore you so much. We've had so much fun together. I am so excited to have you on the show today because you have such a unique career path and are so inspiring. 
um, when we first met, you called me your spirit animal, but the truth is you're my spirit animal. And, um, could you just you will give always us, be my spirit animal. <laughs> can you, could you give us just a little insight on your background and then how you kind of came into this ice skating domination role? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, well, first of all, the feeling is mutual. I just love you. Um, you're just, you're an amazing soul and, um, I am so honored to be here today. So, but yeah, I um, started skating way back in the wee days when I was five years old. I always mm -hmm. say skating found me. Um, it all started when I saw some girls walking around with ice skates over their shoulders. Remember how the girls used to do that back in the day? Yeah. And I looked at my mom and I was like, mom, I want those shoes. <laughs> and she was like, she's like, okay, hey, those aren't, those aren't shoes. Like. <laughs> Those come with a lot of baggage. This was in Colorado, yeah. right? You're from Colorado, right? Yeah. 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 Nice. And I was so like, a lot of girls did it there. Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It was like awesome. four and a half, but yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty popular there. Not as popular as like in like the Northwest or excuse me, the Northeast. It's super popular. Yeah. Where I'm from. It's uh, like, you don't even have a choice. They're like, put these on. You're like, I don't really want to <laughs> yeah. like, you're gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. So there was like, no, like my family had my, my dad grew up like skating on a pond, you know, on the pond behind his house, but like, just for fun, my mom never skated. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just like a, a really bizarre thing that just, it literally grabbed me. And then when I just kept begging for ice skating lessons, my mom was like, you're doing enough at the time I was like, you know, I dance and gymnastics and swimming and my dad had me skiing and so I was like enough and so I just kept asking and I finally they finally got it for my fifth birthday that's all I wanted for my fifth birthday wow lessons. and then I think it's cool like, that you I can remember that <laughs> well I remember it and I do I remember seeing those skates those ice shoes I remember them that's so well vividly but my mom tells the story pretty well and then my mom you know goes on to tell how the very first day I was in lessons, I was just like, she's like, okay, we're going to put her in lessons. She's going to fall down and cry and hate it. And that'll be it. And I guess I got on the ice. I, I don't remember this, but I got on the ice and I was just like zipping across the ice, like back and forth and back and forth. And my mom, like, as she described it, she's like bawling and just like, oh my God. <laughs> and a like, coach, a coach came up to my parents afterwards. They realized who my parents were and they were like, um, is this your daughter? Right sign up for the ice show. Here's my business card. I'm going to be teaching your daughter. <laughs> it was like very much matter of fact, this is what's happening. And uh, nice. the rest is history. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's so cool to like know your purpose from four and a half. Like, I think that's so beautiful. I, I have two comments to that. My parents put me on skis when I was two and people are like, what's the best thing your parents ever did for you? I'm like skiing. Like, it's second nature, you know, it's so lucky to be able to get out there and do something that you've done for so long and you cannot do it for a few years and still be kind of experted at it. That's, it's such a gift to give to your kids. Um, but I love that you like, I didn't have a choice in skiing. Like you were like, no mom, like hook me up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I always say like, you know, we're the generation like pre ADD medicine and ADHD medicine, which is like sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing, but I always find it funny. Like when I think about, um, like 
how many drugs I probably would have been on had that medication been around when I was little. Cause I I'm still ADD. Like I'm still super hyper, Right. but luckily my mom put me in like every class and she put me in she, like, she couldn't control me. Um, and my sister was pretty hyper too, but one day she like, there were some crayons or something I started drawing and she realized like I disappeared for like an hour and she was like, what is this? This is her vortex, you know? And she put me in like every art class. I loved it. And so art for me was kind of that thing. So I feel like you and I were lucky from early on to be like, have our ADHD medicine, which for you was ice skating. And for me was art. Um, totally. And like, I never thought about it like that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wonder if parents are doing a disservice to their kids by just being like, they're crazy. I don't have time, you know, instead of being like, well, put them in a hundred classes and find the thing that they're obsessed with. Like my niece, she kept asking for less Mandarin lessons. She like, she wanted to learn how to speak Chinese. Wow. And she kept asking, asking. And finally my, my sister was like, fine, you know, and there's this hilarious picture of her and it's like all Asian kids whose parents are like making them at the, like be at the class and their heads are on the desk. And then there's her in the front row, like perky with her pen in her hand, like, you know, and you're just like, this is the thing about kids, you know, like just let them tell you what they want to do, you know? Yeah. And then let them do it. I think I have a girlfriend, really quick side story. I have a girlfriend whose little boy is like, he was begging for gymnastics classes and my girlfriend doesn't, she had like a really bad uh, experience in gymnastics when she was a kid. So she's like terrified to put her son in it. And he mm-hmm. keeps asking her. And I was like, girl, you got to do it. Like you have no idea. You never know. Like this could be a way for you to get over your fear. Cause yeah. and he's so, he's so strong and he's got like an amazing core for a four-year-old. It's insane. Oh my God. So I love that you know that you're like, his core is good. <laughs> Oh my God. He gets on those hoverboards and he can like zoom around. Like anyway, it's hysterical. So anyway, I finally come in. So I was like, just let him do it. Like this is your fear, not his. And so she signed him up. Yay. Yeah. And I I think that's so important to just like let kids like, cause it's weird. It's like, we have these, like these intuitions that we don't even know, you know, but it's just like, and who knows, it might not be his thing, but at least he tried and and as we get more and more in society, more and more through society, we start losing that ability to hear our callings, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone's just trying to tell us who to be. So okay. it's really lucky when your parents listen to you at that age. It also kind of helps that like that kid has his mom, like one of her friends is like a four-time U.S. gold medalist. Like <laughs> you're like, oh, maybe I'll listen to her. This could be good for him, I guess. <laughs> I know a champion when I see one. Exactly. You're like, listen, he's got a good core. Put him in there. Yeah. She's like, I guess I'll listen to her. So it wasn't like you coming to this career choice. It was you like recognizing that ice skates were your destiny and then like having to work on your parents to get them to (laughs) believe you. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I wonder how many people lose out on that opportunity in life because their parents wouldn't do that for them. That's well, yeah, I think my mom was similar. I think my mom was scared to death of it. Like she was like, dear God, like you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to like, I don't want you to like crack your head open, get concussions. And like that, those are all legitimate, like yeah. scary or things. Or you're going to be so good that another ice skater is going to like try to hurt you like other certain people. In that, industry, so. <laughs> that was, that was the probably, best thing that that was probably like right around that time, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that, that stunt got figure skating so much publicity. It was insane. It was I know, crazy. like almost kind of like, thanks girls. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wild. 
Okay, so you become really good. This like random person is like, I'm teaching your daughter. You so like at what point were you like, I'm going pro? Well, so what was like the process? Okay, so figure skating. So to be honest, like it came very natural to me. However, I was an awful competitor. I would get so nervous and I would just like get into my head, you know, and get where I got so so nervous and where I just I, competitions were not fun for me but what I enjoyed was performing so mm-hmm. anytime we had like the club ice shows um I just like ex- like I just shined so much and to the point where my coach finally kind of saw this in me and she's like anytime I had to go out for competition and unfortunately like that's just the way you know the nature of the beast you got to test and compete and go to the next level um, she would always just kind of put it out there like I was in a show and she'd like mm. set the stage and she really like helped like just shift my mind into this like performance mode and it helped so much that wow. old saying like just imagine everyone in their underwear it freaking <laughs> works <laughs> it works and it was yeah and it was like the judges just became um, more people in audience like the the audience that were in their underwear or it was just a way for me to kind of like do my thing. And um, I knew where my mom or my friends would sit and I'd perform to them. And I would just like look over at them when I got nervous. Mm. Um, so it wasn't until I was um, 18 that I, it was funny. I was going off to school. I had I applied to all my, I, so I competed, got all the way up through the senior level, which is the highest level that you can get to, did my tests um, to make it there. Um, testing is even more nerve wracking because you're, you're in like a, at least when you're competing, there's an audience and people are cheering for you. But when you test, it's like just a couple of people. So there's like no applause. There's no gratification. There's no, you know, it's just, it's nerve wracking. So testing is sometimes, I mean, I also think it's nerve wracking to do it in front of people, but like, sure. It's also (laughs) nerve nerve wracking to do that, but it's not when you want to perform for people. (laughs) It is interesting. I'm like trying to apply what you're saying to like a corporate job in a way. And like in every role that you have, you kind of have to like, not take it so seriously, you know, because if you're taking it seriously, people read that fear and you don't perform as well. But if you're like, if you play with it, people kind of like that energy more and it allows you to perform better. So kind of is something you can translate to other things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and some of the best advice I ever got and I'll get into this more later is, um, and that this, I think this applies to what you're saying now is like, say yes and figure it out later, mm-hmm. you know, like to when I back, you know, going into the professional side and I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit more later, but, um, but yeah, so then I was going, going off to school, got accepted to the university that I wanted to go to see Boulder and then my girlfriend, a friend of mine who is the same age as me, she was like my partner in crime at the rink. And she looked at me and she's like, Disney on ice is in town. And I was like, and she's like, let's go audition. I was like, you're crazy. We just got like, we're going up to school. Like, what are you talking about? We can't do that. And she's like, they won't even take us. Let's just try. So we both like ch- took ourselves out of school that day. We lied to our coach, said that we were sick and we drove down to Colorado Springs, which was like an hour south of where we were. And it was still to date one of the largest auditions I've ever seen after holding a lot of auditions for other shows that I've been in and casted for. Still is just, it was so 
wild and well yeah you're yeah. out trying to be a disney princess on ice like well, <laughs> it's kind of a serious thing yeah there's kind of a lot of people i guess that want to do that thing that sort of thing <laughs> who knew <laughs> um and we got hired on the spot stop me it right now <laughs> yeah and there was like, <laughs> adam it was just me and her and one other guy that got hired on the spot and we were like well shit <laughs> like how am I gonna explain this to my mom? <laughs> yeah. and That's why I didn't want to get you ice skates. I'm not gonna go to college. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but luckily my parents were so supportive and they were my father especially, which I was so surprised about. Um, and he was just like, go live your dream. He's like, the secret to life is not working a day in, in your life. He's like this your, your work should never feel like work and if you're going to wow. be doing what you love to do and you get paid to do and you're going to get to travel the world he's like go for it and he, wow. you know, he's like go to school later he's like go for do this and I was yeah school's like, always going to really? be there and he's yeah. like and also you'll be able to pay for it yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> big big bonus huge bonus he's He's like, yeah. this is great. I mean, honestly, yeah. if my kid came home and was like, so I accidentally tried out for this thing that I got <laughs> that takes me around the world and pays me money for like doing something I love to do. I'd be like, wow, you just skipped 15 years of torture. Good way to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was just like, I didn't even know what I was going to school for. You know, I was like, I didn't have a major picked out. Like I had nothing that I was like no. dying to do. Like if I wanted to go and be a doctor or a lawyer, like that'd be one thing that I just was like, I don't know. I guess we'll just get my curriculum classes out of the way and wow. figure it out later. Instead so. you did Disney on ice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that must have been cool. It was awesome. It was, you know, one, and I was like, okay, I'll just do one year. And my one year led to, you know, the next year, the casting director, you know, dangles his carrot over your head. And she's like, want to go to Europe? And you're like, <laughs> oh God, okay, one more year. And then the next year's want to go to Asia. And then it just like, I mean, I was so fortunate and so lucky. I got to, in the first four years of touring with Disney and Ice, I literally went all over the world. And um, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And the lessons, the life lessons that I gained Whereas nothing I would have ever learned from any textbook wow. and yeah. What was it so like? Fortunate. So, so you did Europe, Asia, the States, where else? And, and like, what was the, what was it like being on Disney on ice? Like, was it, did it feel like a job or were you like, I'm just going to go ice skate. And what was your character? <laughs> oh my God. So many questions. You can answer <laughs> as many or as few as you want. Okay. Let's see if I can remember them all. So yeah, we went down to South America. We did Australia and New Zealand. I, I really, I pretty much just, I hit all the continents. Um, wow. The only continent we never really hit was Africa, but I got to go there on my own. So not a ton of ice skating rinks right there. Not really. I saw, you know, South Africa has uh, surprisingly yeah. has a bigger skating scene, but other than that, not really. Um, and then, you know, so Disney was an interesting place for me to it was, if I was, you know, when I, like I mentioned, when I was a kid, it was the performance side that got me through all my competitions and tests. Um, and so as a little girl, you're always like, oh, I want to be Cinderella and Belle and Ariel and all these like beautiful princesses. Well, one thing that you don't know about me is I am very tall to be mm -hmm. a figure skater. So I'm five, seven and, um, 
most princesses in, in the Disney realm, you have to go by the height um, that they're supposed to be. And most princesses have to be around five, three at the tallest at their tallest because I, mean, I feel prince- like it's like that in real life tallest. too which is super <laughs> I know. so I never fit the mold um, of Disney which was really hard and it was frustrating because I was capable of performing and doing the, all the things that they did um, but I just I always got like the understudy or oh. you know I got to play the this or the that and so I, it got to the point where I was just like this is getting frustrating and I just kept hearing you're too big. You're too tall. Your boobs are too big. Or like, you know, it would just be like, uh, well, but like, excuse I... me, I'm perfect. Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, a, that's very similar in modeling. You know, the job is to basically be rejected all the time for your physicality yeah. and it grates on you. It's, you know, and it's like, you just keep hearing no, 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 you're not, you're not perfect. And you're not this and you're not that. And it was just like, this isn't working for me. And, and you're like, we're to- on the ice. They can't see that I'm taller than him. Like what I'm yeah. this big. I'm an ant <laughs> on the ice. Like just cast me. Yeah, totally. And so it got to the point where I was just sick of hearing no. So I was like, well, it became this way of being like, well, how am I going to get to a yes? Because mm. this is, I'm, I know I'm better than this and I know I'm capable of this. So what I did was I started auditioning for the male roles. So I auditioned for Scar in The Lion King and I had the wardrobe kind of like work with me. They made me this titty strapper that strapped down my boobs (laughs) and they're not, I mean, I'm like a 34B, like I'm not big by any means, but they had to strap those puppies down. I shoved a sock down my crotch and I auditioned (laughs) for Scar and I got the role. You did? (laughs) I love that story. Girls. This is how you do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're, I like love then, you even more now. Uh, so then I kind of like started a little bit of a movement with some of the other like girl and cause like Scar wore this like head, right? So it was just like, it didn't matter. Like, it's not like they would see a female underneath this head and it right. made it 10 times harder to skate. Like you had to be strong enough to be able to jump and spin in these like character <laughs> heads. So then I started auditioning for Shere Khan and, um, I did, I got to do, they did let me do a couple of like understudy roles, like with Jane and the mm. Little Mermaid. And Jane was a fun one because I got to be Knew it. strong. You know, I got to like swing on ropes and do a fun little act with Tarzan. But, um, and, but yeah, I was just more proud of the fact that I was able to turn it around. And I, I paved the way for a couple of other girls and, that were also constantly getting told no. And then they started auditioning for roles that, that weren't supposed to be, you know, gender roles that weren't supposed to be what they should be auditioning for. And even some guys started, started auditioning for like Nala. And yes, that were like, had more of like a petite figure. And so then it just kind of like turned into this like non-binary, like now everyone does whatever. And um, I kind of like to like, think that I was a little bit of the pioneer and helping get that movement started because oh my gosh I love that it just was you know and and so then I took so from Disney I was like okay I've left my mark I feel good about this but they're still not making me I want to be a principal skater so I left and I started skating 
with Holiday on Ice. And that was where like the showgirls were. It was like, there was like feathers and G-strings and rhinestones and fireworks. And it was like a full on, like in Europe, like it was just, it turned for, it went from a kid show in the U.S to like this beautiful adult show that um, I got to perform in and be a principal skater. And they loved my long legs and tall body and yeah, um, and the breasts that I had, I never really had, but they told me I did, you know, they were like stuffing, uh, stuffing p- pads in my boobs now at holiday to make them bigger. You know, it was like, <laughs> They're like bigger, we need bigger. <laughs> yeah. It's never, it's never good enough wherever you go. But I do love that. I love the idea of like going from a place where your femininity is like, like your, your size isn't appreciated. And then it's like, no, this is great. You know, they loved it. Yeah. They wanted more of it. And it was, so that's where I really just started to get back into um, just being like a stronger skater. And that's where I learned to backflip on ice. I wanted to, one of the choreographers said, how are you going to separate yourself from the rest of the ladies? He's like, you're a, you're a really strong skater. And he's like, there's a ton of ladies that want to be soloists. How are you going to separate yourself from the rest? And apparently what he meant, like he told me later on, he meant like, work on your flexibility, work on like some of your splits. But you're like, I'll backflip. I'll do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, like, I didn't even know that you were a gold medalist for ice skating. And when I looked you up, I was like directed in, like right away to your back, your YouTube where you're like backflipping. And I'm like, wow, how didn't I know this? this feel, I feel like this should have been the first thing I knew. It's like, yo, I, like you should introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Ashley. I can do backflips on ice skates on the ice. Just letting you know. <laughs> You should know that about me. Moving forward. Maybe lead with that. Sure. Yeah. Let everyone know how awesome you are. I mean, that looks really scary. Like I watched you doing it. I'm like that. How do you like learn to do that without many, many injuries? Well, my gymnastics background really helped. Nice. So having that, like doing back handsprings and backflips since I was a kid. And then we had a trampoline. And so I was totally comfortable with that rotation. Wow. And then when I saw Saria Bonally, do you remember her? She um, was one of the, she was like one of the first female skaters to learn a backflip. And oh was, yeah, she was like so badass. She was African American out of France, and she was the big rebel in figure skating. Um, they mm-hmm. told her she couldn't do it in the Olympics because it land because you land on two feet. So what did she do? She went and learned one and landed on one foot. And then came out of it and went straight into a triple jump. So oh, she rotated. Okay. Backflip and then landed on one foot and then rotated a triple the other, like, you know, upright and just nailed it. And she ended up throwing it at the end of her routine at the Olympics. I want to say, uh, I want to say it was like, at, like the 98, maybe Nagano Olympics. It might've been the one after. I can't fully remember, but um, because she, Did she had win. Of, well, no, because oh. she did it. She did it because she had already kind of messed up. Like, she oh, already, like I like it. She fallen. She fell. So she was like, you know what? I can't. I'm not going to win anyways. So cool. F this. I'm just going to do it. And she. It was awesome. Oh, I love her. So rad. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Check her out. Three of them. Badass. Sorry. What she was her... my inspiration. How do I spell? So how do we? How do? Who? What's her name? Sir Saria Bonally. Oh my You're gosh. Ask me how to spell it, aren't you? 
No, we can, everyone can figure out how to spell that. We're smart people listening to this show. Okay. Um, but I'll also have it. S-U-R-Y-A-B-O-N-A-L-Y. I just looked it up. Okay. We'll put it, we'll put it in the description so you guys can easily click on it, but we're also going to put your backflip on there because it's so awesome. (laughs) Um, and you just make it look so easy. You're like, I love, this is the thing about ice skating is like when you actually ice skate, and like you watch ice skaters and then you're like, let's go ice skating today. And you go ice skating. You're like, how the hell do they do this? <laughs> like, wow, you guys make it look so easy. It's really not that easy. Like, I'm just trying to get around this, this rink. Um, <laughs> that's our job. We're supposed to make it look easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I guess that's the thing about being a pro, right? You should make things look easy. Um, you should. So, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> wait. Okay. So. Okay. So you moved to holiday on ice and then you oh, were and feeling one thing just to finish that little sentence with Rhea, Yeah, I got to, one of my dreams always was to do, get to do a backflip with her. And I got to do a side-by-side backflip with her five years ago in Sun Valley where she came here to do the show with us. She was our guest star and they choreographed it in. So I could like live my dream and do a side-by-side backflip with her. And it was like one of my like pinnacle, like yes our moments it was so fun so I have that video if I I need to look it up and if I can find it I'll send it to you and you can that's when you can go on there like earlier when I said I wanted to have you doing the backflip as like a gif like that holds is my screensaver on my phone I'll just use that one because that's like double whammy (laughs) perfect for a week I'm gonna have her doing backflips on my phone every time I like go to check my phone for messages it's gonna be really inspiring Okay. So you, you do a show in Sun Valley now or so. Yeah. I feel like we're, wait, we're in the part of the story where you're at. So, so wait, you lived your dream with her. And then I guess we're at the part of your career where you went from, um, Disney on ice to holiday on ice. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah. So once I went from Disney to holiday, it was, it just, it was, I finally started getting more yeses, you know, and it felt right. It was like, I wasn't fighting this resistance of like, you're not good enough. And it was like, right. I knew I had it in me and it was just like, and it was, you know, it was just following that. Right. And it was scary to leave Disney because they, t- they take such good care of you. And it was like this dream of mine to always work with them. And it was just a scary leap of faith that I took. And it ended up being amazing. And, um, but they also put a lot of pressure on me to be this, this skater that, you know, they, that they wanted you to be. And that's where I kind of got the good advice or that's where I got the advice. And I think to me, it's like one of the best things I could pass on to people is like, you know, say yes and figure it out later. And Mm -hmm. it was just, they constantly like wanted more, more, more. And, I, you know, I had these doubts all the time, like, oh God, can I do this? Can I do this role? Like somebody got injured and they um, needed me to step in as uh, to do their premiere in Paris. And the whole thing was filmed on television. And the reason they had me step in was because I helped choreograph the show. And, you know, it's just, I wasn't used to these, you get into a skate, into a group a tour and it becomes your family, you know, and like the way that everyone moves and we work together becomes this like routine. And I wasn't used to these people, but they just needed me there to fill in for the TV show. And, you know, it was, and it was, 
I had to make the decision last minute and it was just like, okay, say yes, figure it out later. And it ended up being like an amazing experience. I'm so glad I did it. And I have that Mm. memory and I have this footage forever. Um, They had me do something like that another time where I had to like fill in for somebody in Asia that I just, somebody got, and it's, you know, when people get injured, the show must go on. So if their understudy isn't ready or, you know, up to par of what they want them to be for a premiere. Anytime there's a new country that you go to, there's typically big premieres. And if it's a new show, it's an even bigger premiere. And so they'd have you, they fly us in to do these things. And it just really tested my mental capacity. You know, it was like, you know, you're physically capable of it, but then you get into your head sometimes. And, um, you know, it's just like getting past those demons that, I had when I was a kid competing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and sometimes, you know, learning when people say no, and it was just like, that it wasn't good enough, or you're not trying hard enough, or you're not, you know, it was just like, okay, how am I going to get creative and turn this into a yes and turn this into something positive and, you know, mind over matter, like your, your mind is so freaking powerful and it can quickly go downhill. Um, And you just, you know, it was figuring out ways to turn those no's into yeses, turn those insecurities into, hell yeah, I can do this. And um, yeah, it's probably the biggest thing I like to give to my students now is just, you're capable. You are 100% capable of this. You will have doubts, but don't let them overtake you because it's all mind over matter and we're all capable of these kinds of things. I love that. And also like, so then how did you go to competing again? Did you compete after? I mean, obviously your pro champion title is from 2016. So tell us about becoming a U.S. gold medalist and a U.S. open pro champ. I mean, like, whoa. Well, that was totally nerve wracking. They, so they, (laughs) there used to be pro competitions back in the day. Hmm. Uh, Like in the nineties, I think was the last time they had a pro competition. And I'd always heard about like how fun they were and how cool they were. And they brought them back. And I I always like joked around, like if they bring it back, I'll compete. And those jerks brought it back. They heard you do it. And they totally heard me. They were listening. (laughs) The universe listens. Be careful what you put out there. Words matter. (laughs) So true. Yeah. So then I was like, all right, here we go. And at that point I started, I was doing fire and ice. I started learning how to spin fire, which was really fun. Um, oh my gosh. So I love poi. I started, we just did. So I I, she just that. let me use her poi before, which was amazing. But I'm like, no, yeah. when I watch you do poi, I'm like, oh, that's like a technically correct way to do it. I'm just like, you know, the person who learned in Golden Gate Park when I was 19 and somehow thinks she can still do this, but like you're, you did great, but you're so, you're so like, like you're, there's no doubt in your movement. It's really cool to watch you do, um, poi, even not on ice skates, but so you were doing fire on ice. You were using your, you were using fire while ice skating in a show when this came around. So actually, well, I just want to say the fact that you took, you you took the poi. You didn't have no, you had no hesitation, Melrose. You grabbed that point and you're like, I want to light this on fire. I was like, damn girl, you're going to kick ass. And you did. So I'm going to- You also you said if you get lit on fire, there's a pool right there you can just jump into. I was like, okay, cool. 
I know. It's like worst case scenario, throw the ploy in the pool. It's great. Um, <laughs> and yourself. Um, <laughs> I did not so, get lit on fire though. No, she did amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but okay, so rewind. I was in with Holiday and Ice. I was performing. I think we were in Taipei and we had some days off. So we went to Borkai and I went with some friends and I saw uh, this woman spinning fire on the beach. And it was one of those moments in my life where I was like, okay, I'm not quite sure if I've turned to like lesbian or not, but I am in love with this woman. (laughs) And I am so infatuated with this woman spinning fire. I was just obsessed. And so right then and there, I went up to her and I was like, what is that? What are they called? How do you do it? And she was so sweet. She like gave me like this mini little lesson, told me what they were. And I started like, you know, smacking myself in the head, like totally hurting myself. I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. And, but I came home and I told my brother about it. And he was like, uh, that has to happen. You spinning fire on ice. And it was just like the look of like seeing the fire next to the water. And I knew that by spinning fire on the ice would have the same kind of look and feel. So I was just like, yeah, this needs to happen. So I looked up online. I was in San Francisco, living in San Francisco at the time. So, you know anything crazy like that is at your fingertips. And yep, I learned in San Francisco, my poi. So I yeah. get it. Yeah. It's like everywhere. Right. And I'm You're like, like where to find area. fire dancers in San Francisco? It's like, you have six options. <laughs> like, yeah. And one of them was like three blocks away from where I was standing. Awesome. And I like marched myself right over there. And I was like, okay, so I know this is crazy, but this is what I want to do. And I was, the woman was so awesome. She, her name was Isa. Issa Glitter Girl. And I was like, girl, I love your name. We are going to be friends. And Issa Glitter Girl, like, helped me put Poi on the ice. And she, we learned it off ice first. And then it was like, I learned it really quick because I just, that's all I did. I just, I was obsessed with it. I just wanted to learn it. (laughs) And then we had to put on ice. And the hard part about putting on ice was, you know, skating. We rotate. um, I'm like making my, my fingers moving in like a horizontal motion and poi spins vertically does that make sense so the Mm -hmm. they completely orbit opposite so trying to put it on the ice was took that's what took the longest time but um but we did it and so then I started performing in Sun Valley which is where I live now but it is the only year-round outdoor ice drink in the nation oh wow okay so so that's why you chose there Well, no, I was already working there. I was already performing and doing shows there and doing some choreography there. And then this came out and they just were awesome. It was just, you know, being outside, it was like a really unique environment to be able to try something like this. And um, probably also better in case something got lit on fire too. Right, right. (laughs) You're outside. Yeah. Wow. So that's 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 so cool. Um, Okay. But, but going back, sorry, I'm kind of jumping all over the place the pro open came up and then I started I before I started spinning fire I started spinning poi uh excuse me led poi and I got these cool sticks that like as you spin them they they create words and images oh, and wow. they're visually super cool so when I started doing this act oh this is another interesting fact um I was at a at a event with a good friend of mine and this guy started playing violin and he had an LED violin and he had an LED suit and he was performing at this event. 
And she's like, you guys need to meet. Like she's got an LED act. You've got an LED act. Like how cool would this be if you two like work together? Mm. And at this point I was three weeks before my competition, the pro open, it was in Vegas. And this guy was just, he was so rad. He was down for anything. And I was like, so have you ever skated before? <laughs> He's like, been a while. Why? And I'm like, what if I put you on ice skates? And you played my song while I ice skated around you. And he was like, I'm in. <laughs> Neptune. So, yeah. He says a sea star and this guy's a Neptune. You found, you find them. You somehow find these people. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And so we performed together and we won the, he was, he played my music live with his violin, LED violin. And then I spun LED. Um, and we won the, do you have a copy of that? Award. Can we please put that? I everyone do. wants, everyone listening wants to watch that. So I do. Please send do. us that link. How cool is that? Oh my gosh. And I had these like LED blades. One of my friends was making, this is why I chose LED. Of course you did. Fire. He had these like cool things. They were like, yeah, they're called glow blades. And I put those on, like, it was just the whole glow blade. It was like so fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you just the coolness just, it's like more and more and more and more. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So there, so that was your experience with that, which that probably felt like a performance by the time you got that guy involved and not really a, so your, your trick is to just turn these things into performances. Yeah. And so did you do that with the U S gold meddling too? metal meddling medalist? Yeah. Like medalisting. Well, yeah. Like just, yeah. Just like so to become a U.S. gold medalist, you have to like get to that senior level, to that top level. And you are competing and testing, um, as I mentioned before, and you're, there's um, pre-juve, juve, juve, no, pre-preliminary, preliminary, juve, pre-juve, juve. There's 10, there's about 10 levels Whoa. Um, that you have to get to make it to the senior level. And so by becoming a senior level gold medalist, in any of the areas of like figures, uh, freestyle, which is what you primarily see in the Olympics is like jumping and spinning. There's ice dance, which is what you, you'd also see in the Olympics. Um, then there's this thing called moves in the field that used to be called patch, AKA figures. And that's where you learn all your edges and your edge work. And then what was the other one? Um, Oh, there's a solo free dance series that the, that's a newer um, things. And those are like the four areas where I have my master's wow. uh, golden. And so then you compete and you test. And once you hit your gold medal, um, it's a really high level of rec- recognition in the sport. So wow, and to get there, like I said, just with my testing and competitive background was not an easy feat, but it's, it, it became a goal, you know, it was a goal of mine that I had to, to do. And like the, I got my fourth gold medal like five years ago. Mm. Um, so still like throwing myself back into the scene, um, which was terrifying, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Actually it wasn't, it was probably four years ago. Cause it was after I did it, Once I got the courage to compete. Um, then I, I decided, okay, I'm going to get one more of my tests and one of my, of my gold. Well, two things, because I know that you recently got, you got married 
in COVID you to a man, uh, yes. man in Sun Valley. So it was funny. Cause when we first met, I'm like, yeah, I think I've given up on the idea. <laughs> People are like, are you going to you like trying to get married? I'm like, nah, I think I'm good. And some, and then you, the first yeah. thing I think you ever said to me was like, don't get like, it does happen when you stop looking like it happened for me. Don't give up, you know? And I'm like, huh, who's this totally. chick? Who's this chick not telling me to give up? Cause every other girl's like, yeah, give up. It's like, that's probably a good use of your time. <laughs> you know, I never wanted to get married ever. Yeah. And my twenties, not at all either. I was just like, what's the point, you know? Like, and, <laughs> and honestly, like I was putting most of my like love and energy into my work because mm-hmm. I was living my dream. You know, I was getting to travel the world and I'd meet these great men and they'd want me to like quit skating and move to like other countries with them and go have their babies. And I was just like, well, why? <laughs> hey, like, why am I going to give up the one thing I love? Why, why <laughs> yeah. do I have to give up one love for the other? You know? Yeah, completely. And so it wasn't until literally I just was ready to, it was like I had climbed all the ladders, I'd hit all my pinnacles, and I had done everything I literally could do in skating to that where I was like, you know, I think I'm finally like complete and whole in my, in this crazy relationship like it was a relationship that I had yeah. skating for about 35 years before I was ready to like let go actually 30 years um yeah and it was you know it's like I can't think of anything I've ever had there's nothing else in my life that I've had for that long um you know and it was so once I kind of was ready and I kind of was I just opened up my heart to the possibility um I somehow a knight in shining armor like came to my rescue and Aww. there he was and I just was like damn you like I <laughs> wasn't supposed to fall in love with you oh you know maybe it was perfect yeah. timing timing but, timing is everything so that I love that story because that like gives a lot of us in our mid to late thirties out here who, you know, have chased careers or, you know, had other loves besides just a guy, um, Mm. that, um, now if you're getting a little nervous, you know, there's people like Ashley who give us hope. Um, but then also I'm 41, I got married at 40. Like, yeah, go girl. And (laughs) oh my gosh, your wedding pictures look so awesome. They did like a masquerade um yeah, we had a masquerade themed wedding because obviously with covid and uh it was we decorated all of our masks with fringe and poop balls and rhinestones and flowers and whatever you wanted so can we tell we the bow tie like, story the with your dad oh yeah yeah of course his story so get my, out your tissues ladies <laughs> <laughs> um so my father passed away when i was 21 from a massive heart attack and I've just been kind of like, you know, always living my life, like what would my dad do? And, and just ways of being like, you know, I want to always make him proud. And, um, and finding a man was always probably one of my difficult, like, it was like, how could I find, how could I find a man that would like match up to my dad? My dad was just such an amazing man. He was our rock. And then came along my knight in shining armor. and. <laughs> he so my dad used to wear a blinking bow tie at my performances when he came to see me on Disney and Ice and because I couldn't in the audience you couldn't see anyone so it was all dark and the spotlights were in your face or whatever so he would wear a blinking bow tie and that's how I knew where he was <laughs> and so 
I was walking down the aisle and my husband Aaron was wearing a very similar red blinking bow tie and of course I just started bowling (laughs) (laughs) and everyone looked at the pictures and they're like oh my god your husband's so witty and cute in that random red blinking bow tie (laughs) yeah like oh it's because you're like the whole thing is like very like classic and beautiful and like you have and then there's this like hilarious adorable ridiculous (laughs) bow tie and you're like let me explain it and I'm like it's cool like I totally don't get it but I love it you know but now I get it that's so cute I think also when you have these careers that have you traveling around like with modeling it was like every time I'd get into a relationship for a year, I'd get stuck in that place, which was not good for modeling. You know, you kind of want to run to different markets and be fresh everywhere you go. And so it affect my earning. Um, and so I, I can totally understand. I see it a lot with people who, um, different careers, and there's many people listening to this who I'm sure have it now that people are working remote, but it's kind of hard to think about like, quote unquote, settling down. If your lifestyle is not to be in one place all the time, that can feel very daunting to um, enter repeated failed relationships that affect your livelihood because you're staying in one place. So I like applaud you for being like, okay, I've done it all. Like I'm cool with kind of staying in one place, which, you, you know, you're, you know, we met in Costa Rica, so you're not like not going to other places, but I love that you now have kind of moved into this phase in your life where you're like, actually, I really love choreographing. Um, and I, I like that. Like, it seems like the, the paths in your life, you've been just open to them. And so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about like now moving forward with, you know, teaching and being a choreographer, like how that fulfills you kind of in a different way or what the challenges are with that or anything about that, that you maybe want to give us because I think part of this podcast is knowing and how to listen to yourself and understanding like what the next chapter has for you yeah oh for sure um it's a great question I would say being able to like pass down kind of some of my learnings and my love and passion and and confidence like self-confidence to kids is so inspiring now and we're at such a crazy day and age where there's just so much negativity there's so much toxicity around in everything in our day in day out um and I don't just work with kids I work with adults I work with you know I work with I've worked with Olympians I've worked with very beginners like learning how to skate for the very first time so it doesn't matter who I'm working with. I still, my biggest thing for them is to instill in them that they're capable and they're anything you put your mind to, you are 100% capable of doing. And I love building the self-confidence in kids. I love seeing them succeed. And honestly, I love seeing them fall, but I love more seeing them get up and learn how to just get back on that saddle again. And do it again I never let a kid get off the ice you know after have like fallen or you know upset or sad or frustrated it's one of those things like mentally you have to get back on that saddle and you have to try again and it's so important because you can take that through your entire life you know and I I've seen kids that don't have 
something like that in their life. And I think that's where athletics, it doesn't matter if it's figure skating, football, ballet, like it doesn't matter what sport it is, skiing, um, learning how to fall, but learning how to get back up is the biggest thing. And that is going to take you so far in life. And it helps you with your work ethic. It helps you with your determination, your your self-confidence, your your drive, you know, and in your daily life. And it's so, so, so important. And it's never too, too late to start, you know, ever. Like the adults that I work with are some of the hardest workers I work with. And they, like, I can't imagine learning a new trick at 41, like, and I have a woman I'm working with today. She's in her sixties and she is one of my hardest workers. And I just like, I'm always like, I want to be you when I grow up. And she's amazing. <laughs> I just admire her so much. And she's always willing to give it a hundred percent. To me, that's what it's all about. I agree. I also, I love telling people, I've, we've had, said this a couple of times on this podcast, but it's, it's funny. Like people are we've talked about failure a lot and it's like the opposite of failure. The opposite of success is not failure. You can't be a success without a certain amount of failure. Um, the opposite of success is actually conforming, um, and, and not even trying to do things where you might fail. Um, but I also love the quote, like, um, if we didn't learn how to stand after we fall, we'd all be crawling. You know, like we had to fall like hundreds and hundreds of times before we learned how to walk, you know, like that's the thing is people fall two or three times. You're like, I'm just going to crawl the rest of my life. You're like, don't do that. (laughs) It's so much harder. (laughs) It's so much harder. Cause we're going to wrap up here in the next five. I want to talk about like what you're going to do now and, and how you love choreographing, because I love that this is like where your heart is at. And also like where you've had some unexpected opportunities kind of arise. Yeah. Um, choreography is just, it's my, it's my creative outlet. Mm. You know, it's my way of being able to just move and groove. And when I, when I hear some good music and just being able to get out on the ice, like I call it like my blank canvas mm. and being able to just start to paint and create a, my own painting, my own piece of work. And it's been so inspiring and I've, it's been challenging at times. Let me tell you, um, choreographing for an individual is so different than like choreographing for a production. And when you've got like, 10 to 20 bodies on the ice and you're trying to make shapes and formations and have people do tricks and not collide and kill each other and you know lifts and jumps and spins and all the things um so it's just it's super challenging um I recently got the opportunity to not only cast but choreograph um and direct the show at SeaWorld in Orlando Florida for their holidays Wow, And it was so fun. And I learned so much. And that was the first time I got to really do all three on my own. Um, I had kind of like worked my way up as like assistant choreographer for a couple of different shows, like one with Holiday and Ice, um, also at Sun Valley and Ice. And um, just learning the, the structure of how it works. And my goal always was to, I worked with so many different um 
choreographers and producers. And that was always my goal. I wanted to, there's some people that I know that have been in the business who've worked for the same producer and the same choreographers throughout their entire career, which is so amazing. And I think that shows a lot about their loyalty and like their, it, you know, their love for it. But my goal was to work and learn the different ways from every single different producer and choreographer in the industry. Mm. And I was able to take all of that and put it into my own, you know, skills, I, I guess, so to speak, when I got the opportunity at SeaWorld um, for, you know, a bigger company, a bigger organization, a bigger show, bigger production. And it had its challenging moments. Let me tell you, like when we <laughs> had our female soloist quit the day before we opened the show oh. and having to find and you know the easy thing would have been for me to jump in but I didn't want to do that I wanted to stick to my role I wanted to be viewed as the choreographer director casting director I didn't want to be viewed as um, a skater you know it was kind of like this next right oh I see that and so and yeah as it would have been easy for me just to say oh fine I'll jump in um, I was up for 24 hours flying in a, a new girl that was able to take over and, and then wow. you know, not sleeping to teach her the show. And, and it works, you know, it worked. We got it. We, the show went on and we got to open and it was, it didn't go on without any hiccups, of course, but none that I'm sure that the audience would have never known just us. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, I've learned a lot just in my own life with people and how some people tick and how some people talk. And, um, <laughs> you also and, were like, you ice skated on a cruise ship forever too, right? You've done it yeah, all. That was probably one of the best jobs I've ever had in my entire life, but because I loved hearing you're young story. and single and like, <laughs> not a worry in the world. Like it was a blast. Yeah. That was super fun. Um, um, so let's say somebody wants to be like a professional ice skater or even emulate some part of your career. Do you have any like parting advice that you could give to them or any resources that you could send them to? I mean, we, you can send me something I can put in the resources. Um, but, but I also, I just, if anyone like, is like, this is my, this is my thing. Like, can, what advice would you have for somebody who listening where this resonates with them? I would say follow your heart and you're going to get lots of no's and you're going to get lots of, are you sure? I don't know if this is, you're cut out for this, but take every no as a unique way to figure out your own yes mm. and your own desires. Um, because if you want to do it and if it's in your heart and it's in your passion, you'll figure out a way. Say yes and figure out the rest later. And if your kid asks you for some ice skates, get them the ice skates. <laughs> yeah. and Let them try it. Give them a, a shot. Give them so, a shot at any sport they want to try. Let them try it. I feel like talking <laughs> to you is like a time, time warp and like I could talk to you for 20 hours. That was like our whole hour. We're down to the last five mm. minutes. You have a women's group that you run as well. 
I do. I'm excited to talk to you about that more. Um, Maybe we can have a conversation um, with a few of our other goddesses in our circle who all also have women's group and have a little round table about what works and doesn't work in our groups for each other. Um, But I I don't want to take too much more of your time. I would love that. I know. I think that would be really fun to have, you know, women who are organizing women as a conversation um, and trying to help empowering women. women. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and we're all doing it. Some people do it for money. Some people don't, some people um, have ideas about how to make it profitable. Some people don't, some people are just like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Other women are like, I don't think I can sit in a circle with 20 women. That's scary. Um, So I, (laughs) I think these are good conversations to have too. Um, I thank you so much for your time. Is there anything that I didn't ask that I should have, or that you want to add? Not that I can think of. You're so sweet. I'm just, it was such a pleasure, such an honor to do this. Thank you for asking me. And I am so glad that you will forever be my sister and my spirit animal. (laughs) Yay, spirit animals, sea stars unite. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're the two coolest like waterfall chasing chicks I know. Um, The best. Like if you want to see where your higher self lives, come with Ashley and I to Costa Rica because we found it. We found where our higher selves live together. Um, that's, you know, that's what brought us closer, by the way. When totally. I was like, um, totally having self-doubt. Like, could I get over that waterfall? It looks scary. Oh my God. What can I do it? And then I'm like, should I do it? And you like, well, if you want to know where your higher self lives, then sure. <laughs> I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, if I ever write any kind of material, that should definitely be in the material because it was, it's so true. But then also when you get there, you're like, oh, you're right. This is totally where she lives. I've got to file this away for when I'm in adversity and don't know who to talk to. This is whoever lives here knows. (laughs) That was the best. And then we got there. This might be TMI, but it was so good. We got there and we're like, we should probably do this naked. (laughs) (laughs) My higher self does not wear clothes. Like she doesn't need yeah. clothes. No, yeah. That's, too so that's how we no bonded everybody. And <laughs> anyways, I love you. Thank oh, you so much. You. Um, I hope pleasure. we'll have you back for more chats and um, have a beautiful day. And thank you for having such a unique and amazing career path and a unique outlook on how to accomplish your dreams. And, and thank you for sharing with us. My pleasure. Thanks for helping remind me that I have that. So it's yeah, always a good reminder. Awesome. Very, very humbling. <laughs> Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is a recommendation. Hey, all you sea stars, goddesses, naiads, and Neptunes, aka the paradisiacs who care about the important stuff. I hope you all found some inspiration today, and I hope to have your beautiful souls back for our next episode. This podcast supports a beautiful group of humans who gather on full moons, and to find a link for Howl and Heal and for our website with these episodes, details, and blog, head to themelroshow.com. You can also connect with me on IG at Melrose Wild or at the Melrose Podcast. Again, 
This is Melrose. I hope after you listen to this conversation, you feel some magic brewing in your own destiny. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or follow us to get updates on new episodes. And if you love this podcast, the best compliment is to rate us with five stars and maybe leave a little love note about how this podcast might be helping you. Have a wonderful day and may the forces of wholeness and growth be with you all.